You are listening to The Dan Patrick Show on Fox Sports Radio. Made it to a Thursday. It's hour one. Dan and the Dan. It's Dan Patrick Show. I was just talking to Paulie since I have nobody else to talk to here in the man cave. But I was talking to Paulie and Paulie goes, just imagine if the Green Bay Packers a couple of weeks ago traded with the Houston Texans and they gave a second round draft pick to the Texans for DeAndre Hopkins. And let's say the Packers decided to move up in the draft and take a defensive lineman or maybe C.D. Lamb. What would we be saying about the Green Bay Packers and Aaron Rodgers today? We wouldn't be saying anything other than, man, are they loaded and they are ready to go. Everybody wants to follow Kansas City's blueprint. Well, you start with the quarterback and how many teams have a Patrick Mahomes. The Packers have an older Patrick Mahomes. And now they gave him track stars on his team. They did supplement that defense, made it better. Chris Jones was a godsend in the Super Bowl. But if Green Bay had DeAndre Hopkins and they drafted C.D. Lamb, let's say, we would look at the Green Bay Packers completely different than we are today. We're looking at this team as if 13-3 and was a mirage. They were lucky to do that. They're really a 10-win team, maybe a 9-win team. I think Vegas has the over-under at 9 or 9.5. Hey, we got to start looking at the future. Hey, Aaron Rodgers is on the decline. If they went out and got DeAndre Hopkins and C.D. Lamb, I'd love to know what Vegas would uh, list them as, as Super Bowl contenders, because they would probably be right there with San Francisco as the team to beat in the NFC. As a result, we're talking about Aaron Rodgers, the lack of a relationship. They want to send a message. They're tired of his passive-aggressive mood. And here is Brett Favre yesterday on the Rich Eisen Show talking about the bridge burned in Green Bay. Green Bay's not going anywhere without Aaron Rodgers in the next few years. If he plays like we expect him to play, they got a shot with or without a first-round receiver. He's that good. So I would do all I could to not burn that bridge. And I, I, I don't think that they did that. I think that they burned a bridge that it's going to be hard to uh, overcome. At some point, I think it will rear its ugly head. That's Brett Favre on the Rich Eisen Show. Here's a couple of things that I took away from that. Now, I'm not surprised anything that Brett said. Brett said that he didn't think Aaron Rodgers ends his career in a Green Bay uniform. And I agree. I don't think he does. I don't, I don't think that that's going to be possible. And Brett certainly understands this. Brett has been in touch with Aaron Rodgers. If I would have told you five years ago that Brett Favre would be an advisor to Aaron Rodgers, that Rodgers would be confiding in Brett Favre, you would have said, no, that's not going to happen. But that is what is happening. I also wondered, is Brett Favre sort of the mouthpiece for Aaron Rodgers right now? With what Aaron feels, and if he unloaded on Favre to say, hey, I get it, man. I get where you were. I get it. And you might be telling him some things. So when Brett Favre goes on the Rich Eisen show, he might be saying, hey, this is just my opinion. But it might be my opinion with maybe a little bit of Aaron Rodgers in there. But, uh, yeah, just some things that I took away yesterday. Dan Orlovsky of ESPN, the former NFL quarterback on Twitter yesterday, says, you tell me, Philip Rivers got Michael Pittman. Ben Roethlisberger got uh, Ebron and Claypool. Breeze got Sanders and Ruiz. Ruiz, the uh, center out of Michigan. Brady got Gronk and uh, Wirfs. Rodgers got Jordan Love 
and a pound-the-rock running back, A.J. Dillon. Yeah. And then Orlovsky ends his tweet by saying, one of these doesn't belong with the other, and we know which one that is. Look, if they want to send a message, you don't like Aaron Rodgers' attitude, we're going to see if we can. He's 36. Are you changing his attitude? Now, Aaron should have known if you're going to bring in Matt LaFleur, you know what his coaching style is as an offensive coordinator in previous stops. And you can't be surprised at that. If you're going to bring in somebody who wants to run, who, who likes what Kyle Shanahan does in San Francisco, who likes what Sean McVay did with the Rams, then you can't be surprised when he comes in and says, I want to run the ball a little bit more here. We want to be more like San Francisco. Aaron didn't get along with Mike McCarthy. That set up the scenario for the Packers to go, what kind of team do we want to be? Even though you have invested $100 million in Aaron Rodgers. Here was the other thing that came to mind when I was thinking about this. It's different with the Packers because they don't have an owner. Imagine if Tom Brady goes to, uh, if he went to Bill Belichick, or he went to Robert Kraft. Like, going to Robert Kraft, he can go to him and say, hey, you know what, I don't like what Bill's doing, or how he treats me, or I, I want to have fun, or I want to leave. You go to one person. Aaron Rodgers can't go to an owner in Green Bay. It's a board of directors, stockholders. If you had an owner, would Aaron Rodgers then be able to take a little bit of the air out of this? The tension that is there. Because Brady was, was able to do that. Brady went to the owner to say, I want Garoppolo traded. And they traded Jimmy Garoppolo. They traded their future. Aaron Rodgers would go to ownership to say, give me a chance here. We're close. Help me. Get me some weapons. Let's see what we can do. Why don't we have a Kansas City-style offense in Green Bay? Give me a chance here. It's one person, his opinion. And that owner would have been there through the Favre and Aaron Rodgers era, so he would know, hey, let's don't do what we did to Favre and do that to Aaron. Let's make sure that we give him one more chance here. And I'm not comparing Rodgers and Favre because it's, it's, a little tr it's apples and oranges there. It's a little trickier because people are saying, wait a minute, did you have any problem with the Packers drafting Aaron Rodgers when they had Favre? I did. Yes, I did. I said, you got Favre at the end of his career, but still able to play a pretty high level. And, and I know what happens here. You go, hey, well, it worked out. So therefore, you know, if you're going to look at the result of the strategy, there, that's different here. The strategy I didn't like. The result I loved. But that's the situation here. I don't, I'm, I'm on record as saying I don't like trading up for a quarterback if I'm paying my quarterback and he's still one of the top five quarterbacks in the league, we have a chance here. You're not as good as you think you are. You're not 13-3. and three. You're a 10-win team at best, in my opinion. Last year, they were very fortunate, got in with a, a, a dominating team offensively and defensively, great offense, defensive line, and they got roughed up. But this year, I don't expect much out of the Packers. Oh, Aaron's upset. What's he going to do? Is he going to... Is he going to throw to who? Exactly. Man, I'm really mad I'm going to be great this year. I think Aaron Rodgers says that every year. Yeah, Paul. 
going back to what you said right at the bat about like if they would trade it for Hopkins, that would have been the kind of uh, weapons Aaron Rodgers needs. He doesn't need a you know C. Lamb will be great probably, and all these other guys would be great, and it would be symbolic to draft a a, a a wide receiver in the first round. But you can get Emmanuel Sanders, who's thirty years old, or Nuke Hopkins, who's twenty eight, and they're ready to play. I know they're expensive, but. That's what you do when you're 13 and 3 and you have a great quarterback. If you believe your team is 13 and 3, I think the Packers, and look, I'll give the management credit if they look at this team and say, you know what, we're not a 13 and 3 team. And you know what, Aaron has not had great years. You're comparing Aaron Rodgers to Aaron Rodgers. That's not a fair comparison. Aaron Rodgers was spectacular. What he did with interception to touchdown ratio, it's not even close how great he has been with that. And when you go, yeah, he threw 26 touchdowns, four interceptions. How many teams would take 26 to four interceptions? Me. I know the Tampa Bay Buccaneers would. Chicago Bears would. San Francisco 49ers would. You can go down the list of teams that would say, wait, my quarterback's going to throw only 26 touchdowns, but only four interceptions? I'll sign up for that. But they want to be a ball control offense, they, they bring in a running back, another running back to go along with Aaron Jones, who had a wonderful year. You get an H back. Okay. I just wondered if, if, some, if they had traded for DeAndre Hopkins and traded up in the draft for a weapon, how we, we would be viewing the Packers. Completely different. Yes, Paul. Whoa. Quarterback news, Dan. Okay, give me a hint. A team is releasing a veteran quarterback. A team is releasing a veteran quarterback. Okay. You want a piece of this? Andrew, you want a piece of this? That's my hint. McLovin? Andy Dalton's been released. Andy Dalton has been Obviously. released. Oh. Bengals are releasing quarterback Andy Dalton per source, according to Adam Schefter. Phew. How long before Andy Dalton is picked up and where? McLovin, Andy Dalton's your boyfriend. Problem. The Patriots have no cap room. I don't know how they get over that. Well, you know, they brought in Jameis Winston for nothing in New Orleans. That's a good point. Andy's, so you're right. Yeah, Andy's yeah. made a lot of money. Yeah, that's a great point. So uh, $1 million deal. New England, I'd say the best. I bet that's a Vegas favorite. What do you think? Well, I don't. Somebody's Jacksonville's going to bring in somebody. Do you bring in Andy Dalton to help Gardner Minshew? Do you bring in Cam Newton to maybe challenge Gardner Minshew? I don't. I don't know. I'm just. I. I I'm not quite sure where somebody lands here. Is one a starter and one of Jameis realizes you will be a starter if you're smart as a backup quarterback in New Orleans. Cam at his stage in his career, I don't, You may have to go in as a backup. I mean, truly go in as a backup and then wait for your chance and maybe you have a Ryan Tannehill situation. Yeah, McLovin. What about a team like that's a contender that wants a high-end backup because their quarterback gets hurt a lot? Um, or like, I don't even, even a Kansas City, somebody who wants insurance that, you know, four games out and we're going to win a Super Bowl. Who did Kansas City have? They have like Matt Moore. Matt Moore jumped in, right? Yeah, Matt Moore. Yeah, Paul. Mahomes it, takes a lot of contact. If I'm Andy Dalton, I look to grab a ring. He's got a lot of money. He goes to a situation. Uh, go to the Baltimore Ravens, and I know they've got a very great young quarterback that runs a lot and gets hit a lot. You may get in there, and you have a great team around you. Pick up a ring. Yeah. I think he's got to go into a system that will fit him, though. 
It, it's one thing, you know, with Carson Wentz, you had Nick Foles who came in and Nick Foles, they didn't have to really alter the system. If Andy Dalton would go in, Lamar Jackson got hurt. Now you got to change your system a little bit there. This program brought to you by LegalZoom. No matter what happens, you want to take care of your loved ones. And that's why LegalZoom has made it easy to set up the right estate plan without leaving your home. Take care of your family today with the right estate plan at LegalZoom.com. All right. I got way ahead of myself because Paulie and I got into this conversation about the Packers and what if they had traded for DeAndre Hopkins. Let me tell you the guest list here. Roy Williams, North Carolina head coach. Get his thoughts on the Michael Jordan documentary because Roy is the one who recruited Mike to North Carolina. Michael Wilbon. He'll join us to talk about the back and forth between the Pistons and the Bulls. Doug Gottlieb on the new G League as these some of these high school players deciding that they're just going to go to the G League. John Calipari came out and said, you know, these kids, thousands are going to be disillusioned here. And I don't agree with that because there's only a few that are going to get paid Therefore, it's supply and demand. How many are coming in? Not everybody gets to go in. You might want to go in. It's just like the NBA draft when they were letting high school players, you know, declare for the draft. There's only so many teams and only so many roster spots. Hey, I'm going to declare for the draft. And then you realized nobody's going to draft you. If you want to declare to go to the G League instead of going to UCLA or Auburn or wherever some of these you know, top players, these are really elite players. The number one player in high school basketball is not going to college. He's going to go to the G League, and he's going to make money. He's going to get a shooting. These are all the things that I thought would be smart for the G League if you could do it, as long as the NBA was okay with this. I don't worry about the NCAA. I worry about the NBA. If you go there, and I actually, hell, it's like a gap year. There are kids in high school who have a gap year to get ready for college. That's all this is. Now I'm going to pay you to come in and understand what life is like when you go to the NBA. Because those players are going to get drafted. They don't get the uh, platform, the stage like Zion Williamson. Say goodbye to Zion Williamson. I mean, that, that's not happening anymore. I think it'll be rare if a kid comes out, and you know, unless you know, we have the uh, high schoolers can go right to the NBA. If, if I'm in their position and I can make $300,000, $400,000, you, you can do this. Go in. I get a shoe deal. Adidas is going to come in and say, I got your shoe deal when you go to the pros. You get locked in early. Hey, by the way, we're going to help you with things like investments, stocks, real estate, you know, uh, simple, simple things that you might not be ready to do. You're not getting that in college. And I've said before, if I go to college and I'm only going to play basketball for six months, the university should just say, how about I make you a better person? We're going to use you. You use us. You know, let, let's pull back the curtain here. We're going to talk to Greg Sankey, the SEC commissioner, because now these players can, they can capitalize on their likeness. I, man, it's a gray area here because I don't know what the rules are. I don't know what, like, let's say if a booster says, I got a car dealership, I'm going to pay you a hundred grand to come down and spend Saturdays autographing uh, in the off season. You could say that to a recruit. Hey, you want to go there because you know what? That booster, you get this. Like, I don't know what you're allowed to get. What is permissible? And do you know that Jim Tressel under these rules would not have been fired at Ohio State? 
because you can't capitalize on on your your stardom, your likeness. You know, those kids traded in their stardom at Ohio State to get tattoos. Jim Trestle lost his job because of that. Or partially because of that. But I don't know what you, you can actually do now. You know, the NCAA would love this to happen so then they don't have to be under that microscope that says, are you going to pay your players? Why aren't you paying your players? Now they can say, hey, you can capitalize on your liking. It's like Johnny Manziel would have been able to sign those autographs and he would have gotten paid and nobody would have had a problem with it. It's the things, how do you, it's like you have to tell the IRS everything you're doing. Because if they find out that you didn't tell them, then you got trouble. It's like with the NCAA. We want to know what you're doing. It's above board because we find out that you're not above board. Then we're going to have a problem with this. And I also want to ask Greg Sankey, does college football need a commissioner? Not a president like Mark Emmert, somebody who is a commissioner. And maybe Greg Sankey is the de facto commissioner because he runs the SEC. So we'll uh, talk to him. Doug Gottlieb will join us later. Michael Wilbon and the North Carolina head coach, uh, Roy Williams. We'll have a poll question, stat of the day, play of the day, all of those things coming up. Man, I'm fired up. All right. Uh, Fritzy's here. McLevin's here. Seton's here. And uh, we'll have all of those things. You can watch on YouTube.com slash The Dan Patrick Show. You can dial us up 877-3DP-SHOW. Anything else that I missed here? We started out. Right out of the gates here, because we just picked up the conversation that Paulie and I were having. It's an ugly day outside, Dan. Ugly. It's pouring. Doesn't matter. There's right. sunshine in here. There you go. Sunshine in here, baby. <laughs> Every day is the Super Bowl. 18 after the hour. Back after this on the Dan Patrick Show. Thanks for listening to the Dan Patrick Show podcast. Be sure to catch us live every weekday morning, 9 to noon Eastern or 6 to 9 Pacific on Fox Sports Radio. Find your local station for the Dan Patrick Show at foxsportsradio.com or stream us live every day on the iHeartRadio app by searching FSR. Once again, the Bengals have released Andy Dalton. I don't know if it's a shock, but a little bit of a surprise. I didn't know if they would keep him there as a cushion for Joe Burrow for one year. But we'll uh, keep an eye on where Andy Dalton may land. We'll come up with a poll question. McLovin, do you have one before we get to the commissioner of the SEC? Well, maybe we want to wait till after the commissioner to ask my (laughs) NCAA poll. (laughs) Okay. Let's bring in Greg Sankey. He's the commissioner of the SEC. He took over that uh, title in 2015. Fritzy, how do you have an Ohio State jersey on with the commissioner of the SEC on? In all honesty, I just grabbed the jersey that I'd be comfortable in sitting here in the house. I I should have realized that that was a poor decision on my part, but it was not something I was not taking a shot across the bow at uh, the commissioner. Sorry about that, commissioner. Sorry about that. What, when are the performance evaluations complete? <laughs> I'd like to have, um, I'd like to have some input there. Uh, if I may. What sports are you watching now? <laughs> yeah. um, none. How's that? I'm watching replays of games. I attended. I actually watched, uh, the CFP national championship game a couple nights ago. I've been there and, you know, you've been to enough events when you're at the event, you don't watch the event. You're, you're in the same way. So it was fun to actually go see what I thought happened uh, compared to what actually did happen. We won. What kind of toll did March madness uh, not being uh, played have on the SEC? Well, you know, there's a financial impact to put that aside. The most emotional moment for me was having to make a recommendation to our presidents and our chancellors that we cancel our men's basketball tournament. If you'll recall, back in 2008, we had a a basketball tournament 
interrupted by a tornado. And we stayed up all night. We made it through. Georgia ends up winning, and they had finished in the bottom half of our standings. And one of those moments for me, and nobody knew who I was back then. I was an associate commissioner walking down a hallway, and there's a Georgia player holding the trophy walking towards me saying, over and over, this is the best day of my life. And that's one of those moments where the tickets, the the TV, the attendance kind of goes by the wayside, and you realize the importance of competition. So, So not being able to play hurt. In, uh, in a very different way. And then the rest of the month, uh, I would call a celebration. That's the enjoyable part of, of the job to see teams compete. You know, last year, Auburn's run to the final four was, was really enjoyable. And you, you hope for a national championship. South Carolina, I think, would have been the number one ranked women's team. So we had an opportunity um, to, to, to win, which is always part of that fun. We'll get to the NCAA in a moment, but what kind of plan? It feels like every league, every commissioner, there's alternative plans here. Are there alternative plans for college football in the fall? Um, There's a conversation. You know, are there? Sure. Is that the focus? No. The focus is on preparing to play as scheduled uh, Labor Day weekend. I think that's an important message uh, publicly. I think it's important for our, our student athletes to hear from me that we're focused on that preparation. Now, whether or not we can make that happen, that's going to be up to the circumstances around the virus. But no football, you know, football with no fans. Not not something I have to decide right now and not yeah. high on my priority list for thinking about um, now, whether whether the fan patterns look different. That's that's another question that, again, uh, we've learned a lot in the last 30 to 45 days. We're going to learn a lot more in the next 45 days. And we've got, you know, a little over 100 days to the start of what would be football season as scheduled. And that'll guide how we make those decisions. But I wonder if you have students on campus, then do we have, is there a correlation between that students on campus, fans in the stands, or is that a big leap there? I, I don't think it's a big leap, Dan. I, I think the, the first threshold is our campus is moving back towards operation. And you see really on a daily basis, universities across the country talking about moving forward with their fall plan. So that's that's the first step. Um, the, the patterns and, and, and how people enter and leave and where they sit are all those other types of conversations that, yeah, is it linked to students being on campus? Sure. Is it directly linked? You know, I don't think you could make uh, the statement that it's all one seamless process. Explain to me, if you can, in layman's terms, about what you think these athletes are going to be able to capitalize on with their likeness and, and how do we keep it above board? That's a heck of a question. You just boiled it right down to its essence. Um, but let's just take a step back for a second. Remember a year ago, California's in this debate about its state legislation. The NCA sends a letter says, Hey, better be careful about championships participation. And a year later, we're talking about, operationalizing student athlete name image and likeness so there are some easy elements you know if you if you read what is a 31 page report which i haven't had the time to read yet because i first saw it yesterday one element is businesses like student athletes operating businesses well then we've had people do that do it really well we had a football player one of our universities who ran a landscaping business his whole college career believe it or not <laughs> and, and did quite well you never knew it we had another student athlete who played in the nfl wrote a book you know worked with the compliance office did it in a great way 
Now, can you just say we're going to run businesses and all of a sudden the boosters don't you know, take over and make it a recruiting issue? That's the above board piece. Yeah. And that's where there are a lot of questions still to be answered, in my view. But, OK, can let's say I own a car dealership and I'm in Athens, Georgia, and I, I want to say to the quarterback, come on over. Saturday's uh, non-football season and you you can sign autographs once a week and I'm going to pay you $100,000. Is that legal? Well, that remains to be seen. I'll back you up and say we have a a football leadership council where I have taken them through that exercise. I didn't put the $100,000 on it because I'm not sure that's necessarily real world right now. Could that happen? So I'm going to put that hypothetical aside. But I just talked through a a room of starters from each of our 14 teams, the process of people reaching out, asking about appearances, asking about showing up at a car dealership, at a restaurant. You know, high value time would be football season. And our student athletes have said to us for years, I don't have enough time in my life right now. Um, they are very good about identifying where they should have this space. But when you actually walk through the exercise of scheduling appearances, having contracts, um, what's the rate going to be? Where am I going to find the time? We literally ended with a, with a question to me of one, um, how can my university help me in this process? And, And that hasn't been answered for us yet. And then the next observation was, I don't know that I want this. And we're talking about high-level competitors saying, you know what, I'm preparing for football. Would we have 63 guys drafted last week? Um, and and I, I think you've got this tension between the, the focus competitor and the distractions, and we're going to have to find that balance, quite frankly. He's the commissioner of the SEC, Greg Sankey, joining us, Dan Patrick Show. Johnny Manziel, under the new guidelines, would have been allowed to do what Johnny Manziel was doing at Texas A&M, right? Signing autographs? Oh, uh, well, that's been identified as one of those activities. Yeah, we've had a few of those eruptions over time, but we'll go with that one. Yeah, that's what I'm trying to understand here, because I don't know, does this, how does this benefit college football if you're going to allow these student athletes to capitalize on their likeness? Are we, are we getting away from, hey, you got to pay them? I, you know, that, maybe that question doesn't get asked anymore of Mark Emmert and the NCAA. So I'm trying to figure out what's the benefit for college football. Well, I think the, the question does is asked. It's asked of Mark. It's asked of the NCA globally. It's it's asked of me. And we're not in a pay for play mode. And, and we've said that as a principle. So this isn't um, uh, uh, an idea. And let's go back to the California law. The California state law very clearly said, here's the circumstances around this name, image and likeness activity. Those concepts, by the way, have been out there in in different areas, whether it's in media conversation and discussions and lawsuits. So now what does it mean? It means that an individual gets to go act um, in their own interest uh, and decide, do I or do I not want to be involved in economic activity? The responsibility of the university is to provide the support basis, be it the scholarship, be it academic support, mental health, but the individual uh, student athlete gets to go function somewhat like a student who wanted to go sell autographs. By the way, I don't see a lot of students out there successfully selling their autographs from our university campuses. So some of these comparatives, I think, get a little bit um, twisted, if you will. 
Fritzy just changed his jersey from Ohio State to LSU. Fritzy, come on. It's a little peace offering. I don't want to upset it's, the commissioner. I didn't it's even the realize. Joe Burrow move right there, right? It's the Joe Burrow move. That's exactly. It started right. with Andy Dalton in Cincinnati, and we see the impacts playing out live on the show. I don't want to upset the commissioner. Oh yeah, I'm sure he's going to be really upset. You get your master's degree too while you've got that shirt on. We'll Let's be clear that. about that. All right, here's the tough question: If I could only go to one tailgate in the SEC. Oh, that's like dangerous for me because I have 14 favorite universities. Just one. like I mean, all, all that is is trouble for me. I know that. that right? I know that. That's why I said that's the tough question. Like, Have you ever been to a football game at the University of Montana in like minus 10 degrees? That's a memorable tailgate. I would, lo- I would love to do that. I grew up in Ohio. I'm not afraid well, of the cold. Ole Miss very clearly um, has uh, distinguished themselves. <laughs> um, if it's caloric intake, you're going to be in Baton Rouge for creative, creative food choices. Um, when you're me, you usually don't walk through a lot of tailgates because there are op- opinions expressed oh. and in their own creative ways. But, but do you get booed like the the nfl commission like how do fans treat you because you're you're the commissioner of the sec yeah pretty well you know there were uh when lsu uh had its its celebration you know when you're in a figure an authority position you're going to get a few few boos so uh i started out with my remarks there were just a few people in the arena and i observed that uh, i asked the question what do you think of the first year of beer sales in tiger stadium and it was like <laughs> hooray so as a commissioner you got to have those moments when you can turn the turn the the criticism into something more positive you should also since you're joining us from i don't know if that's your den but your home I think the home office. Yeah, the angle that you have with your Zoom camera, you need to do sort of like the Batman logo that they would always do where they would (laughs) like you you should put an SEC logo above you, like a spotlight that has SEC right above your head there on the ceiling. Well, I'll tell you what I did for a Zoom call a couple weeks ago. I did have a colleague on, and I grabbed – I have three mini CFP championship trophies, and I placed them right over my shoulder here in the background. I didn't – I didn't do that for you today. I, I've got a, I've got some good memorabilia or my Huey Lewis autograph sports poster over here. I could have thrown up. Wait, you got a Huey Lewis autograph poster? Yeah. Okay. Why? It was the '80s, right? <laughs> <laughs> you, gotta, you gotta love the '80s. The sports album. Yeah. Well, and you know, you were a golf coach, weren't you, before? And Huey yeah, plays a ton of golf. Yeah, that was a long time ago. Actually, not as long ago as the 80s, but very close to it. Uh, Commissioner, it's great to talk to you, and uh, we appreciate your time. Good luck with navigating. You got uh, you got some choppy waters there ahead, and uh, I don't envy you, but uh, hopefully we'll be able to get through this. Yeah. What's clear is we've answered all the easy questions and yeah. only the hard ones are left. That's, so here we go. Right? That's true. Thank, Thank you, you, Greg. Thank you. That's the commissioner of the uh, SEC. I appreciate uh, his time. Fritzy, what a sunk up. What are you doing? I, just, I felt terrible. I didn't even think of the whole connection with just wearing an Ohio State jersey and that we had the SEC commission. I grabbed the jersey like 10 minutes before we got on the air, and I'm like, oh, I said hi to him. And he's like, first thing you got to do if you're going to talk to me is take that jersey off. <laughs> yeah. And then it dawned on me, what am I wearing a big 10 jersey to the SEC commission? I got to change. Oh, I loved it. Embarrassing. I hated the fact you changed your jersey, but I, I loved, had to. Yeah, I loved that. Yeah, Paul. Dan, we got to hit a tailgate this year. I mean, more this year more than ever. We're not going to have tailgates. Yeah, we will. We're going to find I don't the know, SEC. Paul. Yeah, the SEC will have tailgates. I think next year we hit a tailgate. Man, I'm telling you. 
I, I went to a couple tailgates in SEC country when I was uh, in my late teens. I almost didn't make it back. I, when I went to visit Ole Miss and went to a tailgate, I almost transferred to that school. <laughs> I'm not kidding. I called my mom and said, I may, I may transfer. Just because, well, you almost went to Alabama just because of the football. There's absolutely true story. When I, uh, a friend of mine went to Alabama and a couple of years before me, and when I applied to go to Alabama, they told me if you're a student, you get free football season tickets or you have to pay a nominal fee. I was like, free tickets to Alabama football? Hopefully they have a journalism program, but if not, we'll, we'll, I'll change my major. I know when my son transferred and he wanted to go to USC, part of the reason is he wanted to go to the football games. And I said, you know, you need to go to school for something other than football. Like, I have to say this in front of his mother, but then privately I went, hey, I don't blame you, man. We go out there on that. If you walk around the campus of USC and you can get into USC, then you go to USC. That's that's a it's a beautiful campus and uh, – you know, you might have to fake something like you're on a rowing team or something, but uh, you know, yeah, too soon. You think for a little that? Bit, maybe a little. I remember that I was in New York, and my daughter went to USC, and my son went to USC, and my daughter calls me in a panic when this whole controversy breaks. She's like, "Dad, tell me you didn't pay for me to get into USC," <laughs> and I go, "I'm paying, honey. I didn't pay an extra penny to get you into USC. <laughs> the charge is enough." Yeah. And I get home and my wife goes, did you talk to uh, Georgia? And I go, yeah, oh, she's in a panic. She thinks that you paid for her. To I said, no, I paid the full boat for her while she was there. And then it, like weeks later, I don't hear from my son who went to USC. I said, hey, dude, didn't hear from me about this whole controversy. He goes, yeah, why? And I said, well, did you want to know if I did something extra? He goes, no, I didn't think you needed to to get me in there. And I go, I said, what do you think of the controversy? He goes, no, I tell people. That's how great an education USC is. These people are willing to risk going to prison for that education. And I said, thank you, Jack. That, that, that is an interesting spin on that. He didn't, he didn't care that it's like, oh, people, they're allowing them in and they're not even, they're fake athletes. He said, yeah, whatever it takes to get in, that's what they're willing to do. I go, okay. Meanwhile, your sister thinks that I, you know, paid extra here. Yeah, McLovin. I did not know USC was so hard to get into until this scandal. But it was it has it always been like this, Dan? No, no. I think the last twenty years, USC prior to that, it felt like it wasn't as difficult. You know, the the, the hard school to get into from out of state is UCLA. That's really hard. But you know, the California schools take care of you know the the residents, which I understand that. But you know, you start to look at these schools and you go. My wife went to NYU, and she said I couldn't get into NYU right now. And I went to Dayton, and I probably couldn't get into Dayton right now. Yeah, Paul. You know, Dan, guys like Seton and I, we like schools that are more inclusionary, men of the people, mm. West Virginia, <laughs> Southern Illinois. They want more people. They want to bring lots and lots of people together. They don't want to keep people I, out. I couldn't even get into crappy schools in the 90s when it was easy. <laughs> so I got no chance of getting into school now. Yeah. But I, I love the fact that my son said, yeah, people are doing whatever they can do to get into USC. It's like. Yes, Todd. Now, can Aunt Becky use that as a defense? It's such a great school, USC. I had to do that no matter what I have to do to get my daughter, and that's how great a school it is, and that would be enough to drop the charge. But you start to look at the pressures here. And plus, as parents, you want your kids to go to a school, and then it's a reflection on you, where somebody goes, wow, son got into, and your daughter got into. I said, 
I wanted them to go where they, wherever they wanted to go because then I have two other daughters that went to a small school in Ohio. I, it didn't matter to me. They were going. I, I didn't want them to go to a school where I went, hey, I mean, come on, can't you go like Ivy League or something? Or, you know, step it up a notch here a little bit. I was like, no, I'm good. Wherever you want to go, you got to go there. Take a break. Play of the day coming up. Phone calls. We'll settle on a poll question right after this. Thanks for listening to the Dan Patrick Show podcast. Be sure to catch us live every weekday morning, 9 until noon Eastern, 6 to 9 Pacific on Fox Sports Radio. And you can find us on the iHeartRadio app at FSR or stream us live every day at YouTube.com slash The Dan Patrick Show. Speaking of Jameis Winston. In his uh, introductory press conference with the New Orleans Saints. So Jameis Winston is there and he's talking about he uh, had LASIK surgery. He said that he doesn't have any blurriness and uh, that's huge right now. He said that uh, he has a sharper vision. That's the biggest thing. Then he says the following, like as only Jameis Winston can do. I can say this. When you're riding in a car and say you get into an accident and you can't read the license plate of the person you just hit but they just ran off because they didn't have insurance, right? Stuff like that. I can read license plates. I can read street signs. I think the precision in the vision is the biggest difference. <laughs> wait, a, wait a minute. What happened? Did you run into somebody? How many times? <laughs> like, how many times was this an issue? You know how that happens? Like, uh, like you just like you run into the back of somebody, but you can't read the license plate, and then they take off. It's kind of like that. You know how that is, right? Right. Of all the analogies you use, I'm so looking forward to my next Bender Bender. <laughs> yes. And and all all of my eye surgeries, you know, when somebody says, "Hey, how's your eyesight?" I had never once said, "You know, when I run into somebody, I rear end them, and uh, I can't read their license plate, <laughs> and then they take off because they don't have any insurance." It's not their insurance. It's your insurance that really matters here. Hey, I, I, you know, I can now read street signs. And uh, so I can read the street sign of where I ran into somebody and read their license plate. Yeah, Paul. Hey, Jameis, as long as we're admitting things, why did I admit three years ago that you couldn't see Mike Evans on a fly pattern an entire season? Uh, did you see that there were price tags on the seafood you got when you were at Florida State? Did you see that they actually had to pay for those? Look like free to me. Yeah. Squints at everything. <laughs> what? Yeah. They're what? Huh. Yeah, Todd. I heard his ophthalmologist said he had to pick six free pairs of glasses, so that was a nice gesture. Thank you, Todd. McLovin, what kind of poll question do you have? I actually put up hour one. Simple question. Will the new rules clean up college sports, yes or no? 64% said no. I don't even know what that means, clean up college sports. I, yeah, I, I know. I left it vague. Well, if somebody, if you want to pay somebody and they're willing to accept, then you're going to have that transaction. There's stuff that goes on. Now, it's, it's not as prevalent as, as it was before, I think, but it's there because you're investing in a stock. If you're 18 years of age, I'm investing in you. How do I get into your inner circle? I get you a shoe deal. I get you money. I got you on the fast track. I got you an agent. That, I mean, it, it's just common sense logic that would say this is how it works. And I do believe these players who are one and done, how do I steer you to a school? The shoe deal, the shoe contracts, they have a lot to say in this. I can take a coach out of this. I can even take the boosters out of this. And that's what some of these schools have been able to do with some of these recruits. Yeah, I'm pulling. 
Can you imagine these boosters? All these guys are now going to be told, so I could pay players legally? I don't have to bring a yeah. bag of cash over and drop it? I don't have to make a no-show job for them? I could just pay them? Yeah. And i got to pay taxes on it? I just wonder how much you're able to spend and do it legally above board. Uh, Bash in Ohio joins us. Hey, Bash. Thanks for taking my call. Sure. Uh, quick story. I'll talk fast. Okay. SEC football and tailgating. Okay. My daughter, Sailor, who's a senior this year uh, at Indian Hill High School in Cincinnati, home of Pete Rose's bookie, she's um, a broadcast journalism major. We go on 36 campus visits, literally from Harvard wow. to Hawaii, everywhere in between. Love USC. We're at Pepperdine. I'm trying to talk her into why she should consider Pepperdine. And she looks at me and says, Dad, I want to go somewhere that plays major college football. And I said, all right, sweetheart. She said, no, I don't mean just good. Competing for the national championship. And I thought, oh, my God, I've had such an influence on this kid. So she just makes her commitment. She's headed to following David Pollock and Maria Taylor. Headed to Georgia. Nice. Congratulations, Bash. Why didn't she tell you that before you went to Hawaii and before you went to Pepperdine? <laughs> Pepperdine doesn't even have football. No. Roy Williams joining us. 